Bibles today, please open to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6. We're continuing to make our way step by step, petition by petition, through the Lord's Prayer. This is Matthew chapter 6, verses 12 through 15. Hear now the written word of God. The scripture says, And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, Neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Again, pray with me, please. Father, we declare that this is the Word of God, not because we say it is, because you have told us it is through your Word. Lord, it is the only rule for faith and practice. And Jesus, we recognize that you are continuing to teach us how to pray. And today, as we focus on debts and forgiveness and, and your grace towards us, we're also going to see the impact of how that should teach us to forgive others. Open our ears that we might receive this word. If there's one here today who doesn't know Jesus, I pray for their salvation. And for those who do know Jesus, may we grow and understand how to pray and how to live. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We heard this word in the text. Debts. Debts. Now that is a word that we don't like. We don't like to hear about debts. You know, when we think about a debt, we normally think about it in financial terms, don't we? We normally say that that is a financial responsibility that creates a, a gap or a breach between ourselves and maybe some other financial institution. It's an obligation that we owe someone else that is our debt. You know, recent statistics tell us a lot about Americans and the debt that we have. So listen to some of these statistics. So excluding home mortgages, the average American still has $38,000 of personal debt. When we think about credit card companies, they're the ones that love debt, right? That's, that's the ones that make their money off debt. Did you know that 25% of all debt is tied to a credit card? And that two out of every 10 Americans spend over 50%, even up to 90% of their income just to pay off debt. You know, when that happens in people's lives, many times people enter into debt consolidation programs. They say, let's get together and make a plan to pay off that debt. And in their minds, they say, okay, if we discipline ourselves and we don't spend on this or that or the other and we save that money and we decide to spend that money and pay off the debt over time, if we stay disciplined and consistent, our debts will be paid off. I need to stay committed and I can do this myself. Now, a lot of people try that. Some people fail, but there are some people who actually get that done. They're able to pay off their own debts. They make a plan and they become debt-free. Well, again, in our text today, you heard Jesus Christ talk about this word. 
debts. Forgive us our debts. But this is not a financial debt. Like you and I have talked about just a moment ago. No, this, this debt that Jesus is talking about, it's far greater. It's far deeper. And as we study the Scriptures, we find that this debt is moral, it's spiritual, and it's eternal because it's committed by us towards a God who is all good, a God who declares Himself to be a spirit, a God who declares Himself to be the God who was, is, and always shall be. It's an eternal debt. And as we examine this text, we find that this kind of debt... It can't be managed by financial consolidation. It can't be managed by a monthly payment program from us to God. Why? Because the debt is way too large. And what you and I have to offer is just way, way, way too small. We can't get rid of it. We're not talking about a debt of $1,000 or even $100,000. We're talking about a massive expanse of sin created by man towards a holy God that's absolutely impossible to get rid of. So instead of man trying to pay for his debts... The Lord Jesus Christ teaches us to ask the Father for what? For forgiveness. Forgiveness for our debts. And it's a forgiveness that only a gracious God, a merciful God, can provide. Today we're talking about the fifth petition. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Today, I want you to see three points concerning this. If you have your bulletins on the very back of the bulletin, you'll see the three points listed this morning. First of all, let's talk about the debts, the debts committed against a holy God. Secondly, let's talk about the forgiveness that is only brought to us by the blood of Jesus. And then third and finally, how does this affect our lives? Well, Christians, this text teaches us that we are also are called to forgive. But let's first look at point number one, that our debts are committed against a holy God. If you still have your Bibles in your hand, turn a few pages over to Matthew chapter 18. It's really impossible to talk about the subject of debts and forgiveness without bringing up this parable. It's taught to us by the Lord Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 18. Let's start with verse 21 and read to verse 27. Matthew 18, 21 to 27. The Bible says, Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him ten thousand talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold and his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. 
So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of the servant released him and forgave him the debt. Amen. So in this parable, Jesus teaches us about a king, a king who wanted to settle the accounts with all of his servants. So he brings one servant forward and says, here's a man who owes me a lot of money. In fact, he owes me what the Bible says is 10,000 talents. Now, if we translated that into modern-day money, what that basically means is that one individual owed the king over $10 million. Just one person had a personal debt of $10 million to the king. It's an insurmountable amount for an average person to pay. It's impossible to pay. And in this text, we find that this servant, he couldn't do it. He could not pay the 10,000 talents. So the king decided, well, I'm going to sell him. I'm going to sell this servant and his family and start getting the debt paid back to me. But what did the servant do? He fell to his knees before the king. And he begged the king, oh, king, have patience with me. Please, king, I'm pleading with you. Please be patient with me. And the king looked at the man's circumstances. And the Bible says he had pity on the man. And the king forgave this man his debts. Friends, just like the king in this parable, the Bible teaches us that Jesus Christ is our king. He's the king of the kingdom. The Bible calls him the king of kings. He is the king from the line of David who will sit on the throne forever. His kingdom will never end. And just like that servant, you and I find ourselves to be in debt to our king, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we find ourselves having something even larger than 10,000 talents worth. We have an insurmountable debt, a debt of sin that is impossible to pay. Now, where did we get this debt? Well, the Bible teaches us that this debt was brought on by our own sin. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And that God judges by His law, and if sin is against His law, it's transgression of His law, and God judges by His law, His judgment tells us that we are in debt because of our own sin. Isaiah says it this way, All we like sheep have gone astray, and each one of us has turned to our own way. And because of our sin, we're in debt. Well, who... The, who who are these debts against? The Bible says they're against God. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And we need to remember who that God is. He is holy, holy, holy. John says that God is light and in Him there is no darkness at all. Paul says He is infinite, eternal, 
and unchangeable. He is absolute purity. So what the Bible says to us today is this, is because of man's sinfulness and because of God's holiness, there is this chasm between man and God called debt, called sin. There's a gap, there's a breach between man and God. And it's a gap that no mere man can cross on his own. He's a lot like that servant who recognizes, I've got a debt that is insurmountable, that is impossible for me to pay. There's no way on my own that I could pay this debt. There's no payment plan, no con- consolidation service. There's no amount of time that would ever allow us to repay the king. And in a situation like that, we need to become just like that servant. And this is actually how Jesus is teaching us to pray. Instead of trying to pay back God for the debt that we certainly can't pay, we need to do what the servant did, which is get on our knees and to ask God, would you, God, have patience with me? Would you indeed forgive me my debts? Because there's no way. I can pay that debt on my own. And that brings us to our second point this morning. That forgiveness is bought only by the blood of Jesus Christ. The prayer says this, forgive us our debts. Well, here's the question. If God indeed is holy and man is a sinner, How can a holy God forgive a sinful man? Does he just say, you're forgiven, and that's it? You know, if God did that, he wouldn't be a good God, and he wouldn't be a just God, because God says in his own word that without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. It would go against the character of God simply just to forgive without having any bloodshed for that forgiveness. Do you remember in the Old Testament, God gave us a picture of what redemption and forgiveness should look like when he asked Israel to build the tabernacle and that put a room in that tabernacle that's called the Holy of Holies, and the high priest should go into that room once a year, but he's got to have something in his hands. That something is blood. He's got to have the blood of an innocent substitute, and he's got to sprinkle that blood on the mercy seat to show that the shedding of blood is there for the forgiveness of sins. But you know, when we read Hebrews... Hebrews says that all that blood of those animal sacrifices, they never once covered sin. They didn't. That wasn't their purpose. Hebrews tells us that the purpose of all that shedding of blood was to point us to something to come that is better and greater. A better sacrifice in the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. And let me share with you the good news of what Christ has done for us. You see, the Bible says that when we were sinners, falling short of the glory of God, that God loved us so much that he sent his only begotten son to this earth. And without ceasing to be God, Jesus became a man, just like you and I. And Jesus did something 
that you can't do and I can't do. He was perfect. He was tempted just like we are, yet without sin. And Jesus then set his face like flint toward Jerusalem, and he went to the cross to die for your sin and for my sin. And his blood was shed to cover the debt of your sin and my sin. See, Jesus came because there was this huge gap between man and God. And Jesus, as the God-man, bridged the gap for us in His perfect life, in His substitutionary death. And Christ's blood stretches as far as the east is from the west. And Christ's blood covers our debts. You see, in order for debts to be covered, we have to have the blood of Jesus Christ. The debt that separated you and God. The debt that we could not pay on our own. That was insurmountable. Was paid by the blood of Jesus Christ. You remember on the cross. Right before Jesus died, He said this word, to tell us die. Translated in our Bibles, it is finished. It's also translated, paid in full paid in full let us understand this beloved that in jesus christ he paid a debt that he did not owe because we owed a debt that we could not pay christ paid a debt that he did not owe because you and i Owed a debt that we could not pay. To tell us die, it's finished, paid in full. Every time you pray this prayer, forgive us our debts, remember what Jesus has done for you. Every time you pray this prayer, remember the mercy and the grace of the King who forgave His servant His debts. Christ breached the gap. Remember the blood of the Lamb. And we find that in the Christian life, even after we've received that forgiveness of sins from Jesus, He still teaches us to pray this prayer. Forgive us our debts. You see, we are already standing justified by grace, but we continue to be sanctified by His grace. We continue to grow each and every day. Each and, each and every day we continue to fall short of God's glory. And John reminds us in this first epistle that we are to ask God for forgiveness because He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So now that we've reflected on our own debts, now that we've reflected on the blood of Christ, this text also has one final challenge for every believer sitting in this room. Because the petition continues. Yes, it says, forgive us our debts, but what's the end of it? As we also have forgiven our debtors. Christians, we are called to forgive. That parable that we read from a moment ago, I hope you still have it open. If you don't, please turn once again to Matthew 18. Some of you probably noticed I didn't read the whole parable the first time. I only read half of it. Let's read the other half to see what Jesus is teaching us 
as believers. This is Matthew 18, picking up with verse 28. But when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what, he, what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported it to their master, all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should you, and should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. We're talking about the same guy, the same servant, the man who was just forgiven an insurmountable debt, a debt that was impossible for him to pay. And this same original servant, he goes out and the very first thing he does is he finds a fellow servant who owed him what we would consider a very small debt compared to the one the original servant owed. I mean, you could actually say compared to what the original servant owed, this fellow servant owed pocket change. Not nearly as much money. Yet the fellow servant, even in this instance, couldn't pay the pocket change. So without thought, the original servant, the Bible says, seized the fellow servant. And after he seized him, he grabbed him by the neck and began to choke him. And he said to the man, give me what you owe me. It's mine. I need my money back. So this fellow servant does exactly what the original servant did to the king he pleaded with him he begged him sir please be patient with me and I'll pay you back but the original servant he didn't have time for it he would not accept it in fact the Bible says he locked him in prison and demanded demanded pay your debts Well, the king found out. And when the king found out, he was greatly displeased with this original servant. And he went to the original servant and he said this, How can you, 
who have been forgiven so much not forgive your brother? How can you? How can you, who've been forgiven an insurmountable amount, how can you not forgive your brother pocket change? And the text says, and in anger the masters, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Friends, the impact of this parable should rock every Christian sitting in this room today. Because the Lord Jesus Christ is teaching us that what we believe about God should affect the way we live our lives. Our vertical relationship should drive our horizontal relationship. This text teaches us that we are called to forgive others. Why? Because Christ has forgiven us. Yet the problem is, as we live our lives with one another, we get angry. We get offended. We hold grudges for years and years and years. Other people rack up debts against us, and we keep those debts in an account, and we hold it against them. Maybe it's a quarrel from 5, 10, 20, 40 years ago that's in your heart. Maybe it's the hurt or pain from a family member or a friend or a co-worker who did you wrong. Maybe it's a fellow church member that has caused you grief. In those times, what are we to do? This text teaches us. Let us first remember what our King has done for us. Let us first remember that insurmountable, impossible debt that our King paid for us in the work of Jesus Christ. Remember that compared to that debt, what our brother or sister has done to us is simply pocket change. And instead of choking them out for it and running them down with it, let us forgive as we have been forgiven. One of my favorite verses on this comes from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. Paul says this, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Friends, do you see? Do you see how your relationship with God affects the way you live with other people? Let me tell you a story. And I tell you this story because this is an example of how to do this the wrong way. My parents were married for 33 years, and back in 2003, they decided to get a divorce. And I want you to know during that time, I became very angry, specifically at my father. And I was angry with him for at least three years. I felt like he had taken something from me. He had taken my family unit away, and it was gone. I was never going to have that back. And in my heart, I had resentment. I had bitterness towards my father. I had major issues with what he had done. It certainly affected my life, my family's life, my mother's life, everybody's lives. 
But three years later, the Lord got a hold of my heart in 2006. And he actually brought this verse to my attention, Ephesians 4.32. Again, it says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. And he taught me, Adam, he said, I have forgiven you so much. How can you not forgive your dad? And I want you to know I wrestled with that because I was still upset. I was bitter. I had resentment of heart. But the Lord had to deal with me first. And he did. He had his way with me. And he taught me that the fact that I am not going to forgive is, is, is sin as well before his, his law. He's teaching me to forgive as I have been forgiven. And it was, I think it was in June 2006, Father's Day, I sat down and wrote a three-page letter to my dad. And the first thing I said was, will you forgive me? Will you forgive me for my resentment, my bitterness towards you? And then I just started thinking, and thank you for being a good dad, because he was a great dad. He loved me. He provided for me. He was always there for me over all those years. And I had to ask him for forgiveness, and he forgave me, and we were able to reconcile. But I want you to know that I had three years of my life where I lived with that resentment, that bitterness that I shouldn't have lived with, that I needed to hand that over to the Lord and seek my Father's forgiveness. I tell you that because I did it the wrong way. And God still deals with me about things like that even today. So how about you? Today... Are you holding on to a debt that someone owes you? Today, do you feel like going to, over and choking your neighbor for some pocket change instead of forgiving him from your heart? Is there hate or malice in your heart towards your neighbor? Is there resentment or bitterness in your heart that has built up over the years that you need to ask forgiveness for? I can't remember who said this, but here's a, here's a great quote about bitterness. Listen to this. Bitterness is the toxin that you prepare for someone else, but instead of giving it to them, you consume it yourself. How often do we drink of that bitterness? Hebrews 12 says it this way, See to it that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble. No root of bitterness. This past Friday, my dear wife, Deirdre, did a, great, did a great blessing for her family. She went out into the yard. You know that two hours on Friday morning when there was no rain? Remember that? It was like that two-hour gap between 10 and 12. She went into the yard, and she went to every mulch bed and flower bed, and she pulled up all the weeds. I was in the back mowing. She was in the front pulling weeds, which, which was great, you know, pulling up all the roots, the weeds, so that they wouldn't grow anymore. And as I read this verse Hebrew, out of Hebrews 12, it says pull up the, the, you know, the root of bitterness. It, it's like the, the job of weeding. Maybe you've got to get down on your hands and knees in your life and rip that up, rip that bitterness up so it's not part of your life towards other people. That's what this text says. See to it that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble. All it's going to do is cause trouble. How do we do this? We forgive as we have been forgiven. Let's conclude this morning. What are some things I hope you can take away from this sermon? 
First of all, and this is for all of us, including me, let us consider the weight of the debts that we have, not towards our bank or towards our credit card company, but towards God. And consider that vast gap that stands between a sinful man and a holy God, and that there's no way for us to cross that gap. It's insurmountable. It's impossible. But let's remember that the Lord Jesus Christ came from heaven to earth to cross that gap for us. He who knew no sin became sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of Christ. Jesus paid a debt he did not owe because we owed a debt we could not pay. And now Jesus calls you, he calls me to action. He, calls us, he teaches us to forgive as we have been forgiving us. Listen, how can we, who have been forgiven so much, not forgive our brother and sister over pocket change? So my question for you today is, what do you need to do with this text? Who do you need to forgive? If that forgiveness is hard for you, as it was for me for three years, remember first what Jesus has done for you and ask Him to strengthen you by His grace that you can forgive others the same way the King has forgiven you. Pray with me, please. Heavenly Father, we understand that a text like this is challenging. It it reaches to the roots of our lives. We, you talked about the root of bitterness that is in our hearts and lives from time to time. And that's probably going to hurt to be ripped out. Yet you have called us to live under the lordship of Jesus. May we do that today.